Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'd like to take a second to tell you about our new friends from Ticket Blitz, the official ticket provider for Mazodcast. Unlike other ticketing providers to sneak into extra fees and unexplained service charges at TicketBlix, the price you see is the price you pay. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. You go to TicketBlitz.com and enter the promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z. Dot com. Promo code armchair. Ticket blitz, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Nick Saban's Gatorade holder, Caleb Bungart. Hey, kids. And uh, not with us today is Colin Anthony, who I gave him grief in the past when he missed a show, but uh, he's had a series of uh, personal problems, including having a child. I think that's the biggest yeah. personal problem in his life. We've got him on suicide watch. It's lucky he hasn't killed himself already. It is only lucky. Red Dead Redemption has saved him. <laughs> That's right. So uh, it's just going to be me and Caleb tonight, but we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, Mizzou played in the Liberty Bowl against Oklahoma State in the uh, 2018 conclusion of its season, and then uh, we didn't get to record right after that game, so we figured we'd wait until the national championship game, which was last night. We're recording this on Tuesday, so we could talk a little bit about that because it was a surprise game and has a lot of implications for college football and even Mizzou, given the state of their new quarterback. So, uh, Caleb, I guess let's start with the uh, Liberty Bowl. What are your what were your takeaways with uh, weeks away from having watched that football game? Well, I'm a lot better now than I was, you know, at the end of the Liberty Bowl when I was sitting in a bar or restaurant screaming at a television screen that Derek Dooley is the devil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was a pretty good game. It's kind of what I expected. It was going to be tight. I think the last four play calls were garbage. It was junk. You you can't leave the ball on a quarterback fucking end around bullshit with no one blocking him to, to win the game. It's terrible. Let him throw it. Yeah, and it wasn't just that final play that was a bad call. The entire uh, sequence of that four. Yeah, it was It was all of those right in a row that were jumped. I, I probably bitch about Dooley more than anybody. But, man, that's that. you have four plays down there, and you call four trash plays. Yeah. They, they're not good at all. And we've got ourselves that NFL quarterback. And never once did we take a shot at the end zone. You know, when, first or second down. It's the opposite of when 
the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. where they didn't run Marshawn Lentz and threw it, probably should have checked it four times with fucking golden arm. Yeah, and he was playing well. I mean, for all the problems in that game, it wasn't Drew Locke. He was playing very well. Uh, the offense played pretty well overall. It was uh, a lot of weird coaching decisions. I think ultimately what happened was we got outcoached by the mullet. Oh, and that, it's a scary thing to have that fucking chunk of hair outcoach you. <laughs> but, I don't understand. I've seen it a lot over the years. We've always had a tight end. You, I mean, it, you have to go back a long time when Mizzou didn't have a decent tight end that was six five athlete. Down in the red zone, we used to check the ball up, let that six five guy catch it, you know, in the end zone. Anymore it doesn't seem like when we have five yards to get a touchdown, that you just toss one up and let that big dude catch it. We haven't had a guy like that since I don't know, Beckham, maybe? No. And uh of course he didn't stick around. But uh, we used to have those guys. I mean, I think uh, LaDainian Washington was a guy who's sort of underrated. He could always, he was always able to find the ball. Manuel Hall, obviously, he got hurt again in that game. And that, you know, the crazy thing is this deep into the season, how big of an impact Emmanuel Hall is on this offense. You know, we, he had one huge reception early before he got hurt and, and uh, Johnson had one later, but uh, it changes the way we play football whenever Hall isn't out there and isn't that deep threat. We had lots of drops, too. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of been the case in the entire Drew Locke era was drops. And you just think, what kind of quarterback would Drew Locke have been? if he It had makes the- you sick, especially after watching a national championship game last night where a quarterback just throws the ball and the receiver, if it touches a fingernail, he catches it. Yeah. that we, Circus catches last night in the national championship. We've had the opposite of that, guys. Mostly it hits them in the hands or chest and they drop it. But uh, imagine if Drew Locke had the same tools that uh, Chase Daniel or even James Franklin had. Imagine the kind of numbers you put up in those scenarios. Yeah, that's I mean, true. So many damn drops. But uh, I think one of the you know, we talked about the poor coaching decisions. One of them got really lambasted a little earlier, and I wasn't as hot on this one as some people. But it was the decision to uh, kick the extra point rather than a uh, two point conversion try uh, after one of our touchdowns. When we were making our comeback in the fourth, and I think it was early in the fourth, you know, the, the math, a lot of people said it, it just didn't make any sense to go for one rather than go for two. But I think, you know, when there's a lot of time on the clock, it doesn't much matter. And it didn't much matter at the end of this game because I think, what, we lost by five. So we would have lost. Yeah. It, it just wouldn't have made that big a difference. We ultimately, we needed a, a touchdown to win it. But uh, it was one of those things where it's like Barry Odom makes everybody scratch their fucking heads. You know, same with Derek Dooley. I don't know. It was it was demoralizing because it did seem like a game that we could have and should have won that fucking game. Well, before I forget, I saw one of the one of the sports Twitter accounts, one of the Blue check marks put out a uh, top 100 coaching list yeah. of college football coaches, mm-hmm. and Barry Barry was in like the top 25 or 30 on there. Yeah. Well, the difference between Barry Odom in real life and the Barry Odom on paper is that you look at the first, second, third year of this program, and we've gotten progressively better. Our Seasons have, are, we've had more wins every year, but every season has ended in disappointment. That's what those, yeah. that's what you don't see on paper is that he hasn't won a bowl game. He, I don't know if we should have won the Texas bowl, but we should have been competitive and we weren't last year. And then, uh, this one, we definitely should have won. We're, you know, it was one of his most complete teams he's had since he has been here and he shot the pooch. Uh, Derek Dooley, who had gotten some accolades after crushing Tennessee and Florida, showed why people hate Derek Dooley and Caleb included. He 
is, I don't know what you qualify Barry Odom as. I mean, he's a competent coach, but he still does things that you think, God, you're not ready yet, you know? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I saw, like, you know, when Dabo was hired, people didn't like him, but they showed every year he's the only coach ever to finish the season higher ranked than starting the season every year that yeah. he's coach. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Pretty cool statistic if you can do that as a coach. Yeah, and and it kind of, I guess, between the two bowl games, the Liberty Bowl, which nobody but Missouri. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And Oklahoma State fans cared about and the national championship game, which everybody cared about, is uh, the quarterback situation at Mizzou and how Kelly Bryant is going to be in Missouri next year. Very different quarterback than what we've seen out of Drew Locke for the last four years. People are kind of talking about, oh, he's Clemson castaway. Don't get too excited. But if he's even half as good as that fucking Trevor Lawrence kid, I'm satisfied. Oh, yeah. I mean, the kid's been to national championship games. He's won them. Yeah. You know, yeah. on teams he's been on. So he's not junk. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> right. not Todd Reesing. Yeah. You know, not <laughs> catching some guy that won a couple games. Yeah, he's elite talent, right? And his threat isn't the deep ball like Drew Locks or Trevor Lawrence, but he's got more. You know, he is a he's a threat to run, which we haven't seen in a while. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess Matty Mock was a running threat, but he, he wasn't a traditional running threat. Let's put it that I way. I would almost like a kid in college football that can run the ball and throw it a little bit. You know, yeah, Alabama's done pretty fucking well with that scenario over the years, where you have a guy that can run the ball throw it a little bit and win games. Sure. You know, lots of programs have made it work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, teams like Alabama and LSU, they seem to win despite their quarterbacks, not because of them. Um, yeah. Of course, we're, we're not at that level, but Corby uh, Jones turned around this university's program doing that. <laughs> Just ask Corby Jones. He'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. I mean, that that is a very effective way to win, especially at the college level. We have a lot of running threats coming back. Obviously, another big piece of news that happened since the game and since we're recording this is Demario Crockett has announced that he's declaring it instead of his final year at Mizzou to go to the NFL draft. I don't know what to think about that from his standpoint. I mean, good for him. He was great to have around. He had some injuries later in his uh, career here, but we're strong at running back. We've got Roundtree. We've got Beatty. Everybody's looking good at running back, and now we're going to have a, a running quarterback. Um, it's the It's the – Receivers, I think, who are going to be the primary concern in this offense because, uh, like you said, they, they tend to drop it, and uh, we don't have a clear guy who's going to take the mantle as being the number one receiver next year. So I, I don't know. 
it's nice, and I got to give Barry Odom credit. He's resolved this quarterback situation. At the beginning of this year, the idea of playing without Drew Locke was terrifying for Missouri. Didn't they fans. get a kid from TCU too? Yeah, be able to play the year after. <laughs> yeah, I think we're set till twenty twenty one, as far as quarterbacks are concerned. That's pretty good place to be, considering the fact that uh, post Drew Locke, we were just shitting bricks because. Well, I can tell you now, we have a better quarterback at Mizzou next year than ninety. 90- Eight percent of other college teams. No, I think that's a fair statement. I mean, we I can say proven. this Clemson has a better one, but that's about it. Yeah. So, You've got a proven winner and can produce on the field. Not very many teams can say that. So yeah. you know what you're going to get. It's not going to be hidden. Right. You know? You're yeah. not guessing. No, and, and uh, it's going to be exciting to bring fans in the door. I mean, I think this has been a concern all across college football, but particularly at Missouri, which is low attendance. And I think a new quarterback, exciting quarterback from a name program, that's at least early on going to get butts in the seats. So, you know, that's good from an athletic standpoint, but it's I think it's going to add a shot of adrenaline to this team that they maybe would have been without knowing that they're – you know, you had a guy who started for four years and is an NFL talent. To lose him is a real drag on a program. And so to be able to replace him rapidly, I don't think you can overstate how important that pickup was. And it also was just fun to watch other programs fret and shit their bed about it and be so mad that uh, he didn't come to their school, particularly Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Even if we, you know, win seven games with him. It's seven more games in Arkansas fucking one with him. Yeah. And, uh, they, you know, it's going to be a long time before they see seven wins in any season because they're mm-hmm. garbage. I don't know. What was your excitement level coming into the Liberty Bowl? How did you feel about Missouri going into the Liberty Bowl? Nine wins would be a big impact on this team, but it really it ultimately cool. doesn't it's mean anything. It's been cool to see it. And this knew it was going to be tough for them to win that game. I, I watched Oklahoma State play some games this year. For some reason, I thought they would be tough for Mizzou to handle. And yeah. They were, but I, I think the onus is on Mizzou. They lost the game. Yeah. Oklahoma State didn't win the game. Yeah, and, I, um, you know, the mullet, a Gundy, for as big of a goofball as he is, I do think he's a pretty good coach. Like, he's scared. I believe. He, kids believe in him. Yeah, and, know, and he's that, one of those teams where – Nobody ever really wants to play them. Oklahoma State's never risen to the cream of the crop in the Big 12, but they're always a tough out. Yeah, you know, I was tepid about it because, I, like I told people at work today when they were talking about how the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl, that I don't believe the hype. Uh, it's not going to happen. You can't have anything nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, something Once you get something good, something bad's going to happen if you cheer for Mizzou or the Chiefs or yeah. things like that. Like Kareem so, Hunt. I got I got myself excited at the end of the game that we were going to drive down there and win it. Drew was going to have a shining moment. Yes. That it didn't fucking happen. It did yeah. set up that way, didn't it? I mean, I felt the same way. I, was, we were driving down. The clock was ticking down. I was like, this looks like we're going to – we've gonna we've screwed up a lot, specifically in the third quarter, which reminded me a lot of the South Carolina game. But <clears throat> in that final drive, it's like, we're going to score a touchdown here and win this, and it's going to be the greatest send-off for Drew Locke, you know? And then it just, we petered out. And it wasn't the first time we petered out in the red zone. We did that all fucking game. We just got really yep. tight and conservative and went away from what was working and just fucked ourselves. And that's why I say it was a coaching failure, not a necessarily a failure of execution. I guess it and was a failure. It's a Missouri problem because this goes back to when Pinkle was coach that you would drive down the field, get to the 10 yard line, and then be like, oh, fuck, 
what should we run now? <laughs> you know, when it was an Alabama problem last night, and I, you know, I, I think it is, it's a problem for everybody to a certain degree because it does narrows the playbook. You don't have 30 yards where do that deep threat. They don't have to defend against that because you're, you're not going to do that, you know, so mm-hmm. it does cut the playbook down and make it a little bit easier for defenses. But then again, every team knows this and it can plan for it. And Missouri, Missouri always acts like they didn't plan for it. Like, oh shit, third and short near the goal line. We didn't think that could ever happen. Yeah. It's, and you're right. It's a lot of teams problems, but you think you would address that at some (laughs) goddamn point. Yeah. And that's been the Barry Odom era for me. It's just like something happens. You're like, did you not expect that to happen again? Another thing, special teams. We had a block kick and a missed extra point attempt. You know, like, how can this shit keep happening? I guess it happens everywhere. Look what happened to Alabama. Look what happened to the fucking Chicago Bears. But it seems like it's an epidemic here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That kid can doink one. Yes, he's really good at it. (laughs) Really good at it. Yeah. You'd think, you know, the crossbars are maybe, what, four inches across. There's two of Mm -hmm. them. How can they be struck that often? It seems like they're getting... They and, doink and across solidly. It yeah. was not a glancing blow. You know, <laughs> no, the, the, lots of lots of dongs. <laughs> the Bears game, I think it hit two separate crossbars and one kick. Yeah, it was pretty fucking awesome. He had two chances to make it. If it was a half an inch right or a half a spin later, yeah. the ball goes in. But no, not fuck the Bears. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so you know, this kind of we've talked about what we thought about this game, but I do think it's important we play some voicemails because they did come in after the game, and as you might imagine, people weren't thrilled about the outcome. Missouri losing that one close. Uh, you want to get to those now, Caleb? Well, I'm sure people are fucking happy about it. I'm sure they're real happy about it. <laughs> you know what? You'd be wrong. Let's, yeah. let's get to the voicemails. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. I'm going to be honest. I bit hook, line, and sinker. I fell for the Drew Locks last game, TBJ's last game. Oh, says we're coming out to play. I fell for it hardcore. I was like the team that come out there tonight and just, you know, kick ass, play harder possession. And instead, I got soft ass defense. The offense uh, creating stupid penalties, uh, shitty play calling, uh, just an all around uh, shit show. And even with a little bit of hope, coming out of halftime with that lead, that third quarter is just an absolute, like, hot dog water. Hot dog water. Down the side hot of our pants. I don't know why I expect anything else. Mizzou always does this in bowl game, or at least in the Odom era under, you know, in bowl game just fucking shits themselves. So we're the laughing stock of the SEC and Big 12 again. Everyone's going to talk shit on us. We literally don't get anything ever, and sometimes it fucking sucks to be a Tiger fan. M-I-Z, boys! <laughs> Z-O-U. Z-O-U, brother. Look, in the two most heartbreaking losses this year, David Dooley, for some reason, doesn't trust Drew Locke. He, he takes the ball in his hands, runs the football for zero yardage, third and one, zero, fourth and one, negative one. That's a great job, Derek. Great. I hope you get a job somewhere else. You're so good. You guys was on Xanax. I think he was. Mizzou is going to Mizzou, man. I just don't, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I can't do anything but disappoint. Our secondary, AC might be the worst D1 player in the secondary that I've ever seen. He can't make play coverage to save his life. Bad play calling at the end there. I mean, and honestly, all through it, Drew Locke just can't 
you're just not going to give the ball to Lock to throw it when he's a first-round draft pick and said you're going to use the freshman running back. But, hey, I don't know. I see him. <laughs> Z-O-U. Yeah, he's right. I forgot to mention AC, who was awful. And that's something on defense. I mean, the defense was horrible in that game. And uh, people were kind of forgiving AC because on one of those plays, he got held really bad. But if you don't doubt, or if you have doubts that AC was terrible, just look at the fact that every time it was a passing play, they, Gundy went up against AC. He saw oh, AC no, as that a. That guy's all conference SEC. He's fucking. Yeah. He's shit. Yeah. yeah. So Gundy saw what a weakness he was, and he went to it and exploited it successfully. Hey, boys. Superfan Phil here. Hi, Phil. Looks like uh, Hackett was Phil's happy. by uh, Barry Odom and Barry Dewey. So, fuck him. Yep, fuck him. Anyway, happy new year. Mud guys go fuck themselves. Hot garbage. Hot, hot, garbage. Flat, whatever. Bye. <laughs> it's a- you know, Phil was really tepid. There, it's not what I expected. Yeah, it was. A, he, he, it's one of his calmer calls. Maybe he's been taking some uh, some medication, which we highly recommend. Yeah, any kind of drugs you can get on, do them. First of all, I want to say I'm a long time listener a and a first time caller. Ooh, it's a lady. And I will work to keep this as concise as possible. The pros: Mizzou got two calls to fall their way, so let's not talk about the one questionable call with Jalen Knox, except for the fact that while they were reviewing where he landed, they should have maybe peeked at his helmet and called targeting, securing us at least the first down. But frankly, I didn't think we were winning the game even after the two interceptions. And once announcers get high on Tucker, I know that they haven't watched too much Tiger football. But what really pisses me off is the fact that Mizzou did what they do. They left points on the table, they squandered opportunities, and they only played with any sort of energy or urgency when they were down, and then it felt desperate. So I can't help who I cheer for, but this team never ceases to break my heart. So happy new year. Let's hope for a new year, a new Mizzou, but I'm not holding my breath. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Can't argue with that. I think we found Colin's replacement. <laughs> well, I was just going to have a chicken pecking on some corn, crack corn here with a microphone well, on, but that would work too. Anything really would work. But that... that- that lady there knows what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, and we did look like we didn't come awake until we were down by a lot. And then, you know, we play with desperation, which didn't work for us, didn't work for Alabama. Are you tired of having a predictable football team? Come on over to the Missouri football team, Chad. Root for a team in which you have no absolute fucking clue what you'll see on a day-to-day basis. Fuck! Yeah. Well, end of the PSA. third quarter. I'm done watching this shit show. Go Mizzou. Yeah, he watched the fourth. Yeah, he watched the end. Yeah. They always say that, but we know how it really goes. In the third quarter, and wow, that was a awful quarter. No offensive line, and DeMarcus AC is playing like hot garbage right now. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. Well, I guess look forward to next year. Uh, just it's always things losing to a Big 12 team. Always going to beat the Big 12 teams, but it's not all good right now. Uh, M-I-Z, here's to 2019. That was the uh, batch of them. There was a little bit uh, – people weren't, like, just raging out. I think. Well, you know, it's a bowl game, you know, just an exhibition game. That's <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. I think people are just beat down. They're just used to it, you know? Fuck. It'd be nice to care. 
You expect to lose at this point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I don't like when we get to the point where we no longer care. Yeah. <laughs> well, Caleb, we'll come back from break and maybe uh, talk a little bit about this national championship game and the implications for uh, 2019. This is the Mazadcast. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I really can't give away that information for free all the time. I thought they were asking whether they should leave their wife. That too. Well, go to my bookie. Check it out. They'll give you lines on all games. You can bet any sport. It's wonderful. You don't need me to talk to you. The Greek doesn't have to be in your ear all the time. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They're your best bet this season. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on any deposit over $100. You can use promo code MIZ25. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take advantage of this extra 25 bucks. You play, you win, you get paid. Take it from the Greek. My bookie is the way to go. And we're back. Well, Caleb, do you want to get into uh, the national title game, or do you want to hear a little Kansas news? Oh, we may, may go uh, Kansas news first. That always gets everyone excited. All right, good choice. Gets my giblets going. Sons of Kansas, sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas news. First story, this Kansas kid's getting a lot of attention because he knows how to fall down. This is hot news in Kansas. Don't go falling for this kid's trick. If you didn't know any better, you might think 11-year-old Jalen Jenkins is quite clumsy. But in reality, this Kansas fifth grader is just really good at intentionally tripping and falling as he runs to school every day. <sighs> this is the news in Kansas. Uh, Jalen's dad, Chad, posted a video on Twitter last week compiling a series of falls outside of his elementary school in Olathe. The video was captioned, Daily School Pickup with Jalen. In about four days, Jalen's falls had been seen more than 2.3 million times. The first fall captured in the video was his very first fall Chad Jenkins ever recorded. He told the Wichita Eagle he knew to have his phone up because his wife, who usually picks up the kids, gave him a heads up. Jalen has been doing some Pratt falls every time he comes to the car. I'll tell you that, Jalen, he's a, he's a Jim Dilly of a pickle. Yeah, he's really something. So the Pratt fall, which is defined, I don't know why this is necessary to be defined as a humiliating mishap or blunder. And yes, Pratt falls in the video really are intentional, Chad, Chad Jenkins told the Eagle. So the Olathe dad got his phone ready, and sure enough, Jalen quote-unquote tripped as he got to the car. Then the, f- <laughs> <laughs> then the falls continued. After I got several of him falling forward, I told him to mix it up a little. All the falls can be seen on a 30-second long, hilarious video. Don't worry, Jalen is the opposite of clumsy, his dad said, and hasn't gotten injured in any of these falls. Jenkins isn't exactly sure why his son started pretending to fall, because they don't speak. But uh, Jalen 
<laughs> may have gotten it from his father's. I used to do pratfalls when walking into movies in high school and spill my popcorn, he said, which is just stupid because you pay for the popcorn. It's I, like $13. Yeah. I told maybe not in Kansas. It's probably two pelts. Yeah. Uh, I told him about that, and he liked those stories, but mine weren't nearly as realistic as Jalen's. I mean, can the kid get a scholarship for this or what? Cause well, yeah, I think he could for Kansas football, actually. He looks a lot yeah. like their receivers. Fake falling stupid. Real yeah. falling or shoving your buddy down? That's, that's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. Next door, Kansas man getting Christmas wish for two front teeth after a present oh. wrapping disaster. Yeah, well, <laughs> so is every Kansas person going to get their two front teeth back? Because you can't just give to one. A Kansas man who lost his front teeth while scrambling to wrap Christmas presents last year will get his wish for two front teeth after a video of him singing a popular holiday jingle was posted on Facebook with lots of whistling, I presume. Evan Camru of Olathe explained that he needed to cut tape quickly last year and decided to use his teeth. Not the best idea when you're a method. And as I was doing it, I felt something literally fly out of my mouth. Right on the carpet were my upper front teeth. Jesus Christ. Like, how loose could your teeth be? I don't know. He's got a real medical issue. Yeah. Scotch tape should not do that. Days later, his other front tooth fell out while he was eating waffles. With the cost of dental implants not in the family's budget, he'd been using a plastic filled-in tray that had to be removed before he eats. I don't understand how that works. But last Saturday, the father of three was presented with a surprise check to cover the cost of the eight-month implant process from members of his church. Unbeknownst to him, a video that he'd posted last year, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth, set off a firestorm of secret fundraising by members of the Gospel Outreach Center. In total, about 300 people contributed over $14,000. A local dentist, Gordon Dental of Leewood, is also helping to discount the procedure. Just to think that they went out of their way to do this for us is touching and humbling, he told the news outlet. God cares, even about the little details of our lives. Sometimes you don't think about, like when you... Rip your teeth out with scotch tape because you're so malnourished. On December 21st, Cameroo posted a video of his first appointment thanking his supporters and God for the opportunity. I'll keep you posted, but hey, looks like I'm getting my front teeth. Oh, he went on to sing it. My two front teeth, my two front teeth. Great. Wishing you all a Merry Christmas. He partially sang. On Sunday, he posted that he was recovering well from his extractions. He also joked that he'd learned his lesson, and this year he got easy to cut tape to wrap presents and won't be using his teeth. <laughs> Has he never heard of just scotch tape that you can cut on the actual dispenser? Like, how backwards is the technology in the state that they don't I have bet a regular he got tape? like a regular scotch th- tape thing and then took it off the dispenser, was doing it on his own. Yeah, you know? I think Either he was- way, your teeth shouldn't break from scotch tape. No. Imagine, you know that bubble tape, that chewing gum? Mm-hmm. What would that do to that guy's mouth? I don't know. He's got he's got dental problems. He needs to drink some milk or something. Yeah, he's. I think it's more than dental problems. I think he's got serious medical issues that no amount of Kansas church fundraising is going to fix. All right, Caleb, before we get into the big game, I wanted to note that we did a big uh, Caleb the Greek segment, and you picked the outcome of every single game in the bowl season, and uh, I wanted to ask you how you did. Not real well. Not real, real well, but... Uh, 18 and 19 with one one canceled game. Right. So I went, that's not I terrible. Went and, I went and started looking if if I'd have used the spread at game time. Yeah. On an, I think it's four different games, it would have changed the outcome. So 
I mean, right around even. Right. Yeah, it could be worse. I mean, I lost uh, every bet I made (laughs) over bowl season. So, you know, I'd take 500, frankly. Yeah, what's crazy is, you know, some of these bowl games, six to nothing. Yeah. uh, You know, nine to six, things like that with, like, Oregon playing in the game. That doesn't make sense. Those teams average 40 points in a fucking bowl game against UTEP, you score nine. Well, and not to make excuses for you, but uh, bowl games are hard to pick because you never know what you picked them early. So you never know who's going to get hurt or who's going to leave early for the draft. You know what's going to happen. Half these teams like Georgia didn't even fucking show up for their bowl game, frankly. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I am glad that I switched my West Virginia pick because Syracuse housed them without <laughs> Will Greer. Yeah, it's a good thing he did. Yeah, they're nothing without Will Greer. It'll be interesting to see if they can recover losing their quarterback. And they lost season. Dana, too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They lost their mulleted head coach. Yeah, he gone. He gone. Uh, so the uh, national championship game, I assume that you uh, thought it would be Clemson, Alabama, because everybody did. I, I did write down Clemson, Alabama in the book. So – I picked both those teams to be in the win tournament. their games. Yeah. So. yeah, and I imagine you picked Alabama to win. I didn't make a pick on that oh, game. Oh, sure, sure, if, sure. If you would have made me bet money, I would have bet Alabama. Yeah, that I, I said prior to that game, you know, I think Alabama's going to win, but I wouldn't want to bet on it because if there is a team that can beat Alabama, it's Clemson. Now, I nobody predicted, me included. Did you see where, you know, you can bet, like, on FanDuel now, instead of doing like daily, you know, fantasy, you can actually make bets. So FanDuel's dumbasses paid out Alabama to win the national championship back in November. Yeah. So if you had bet on Alabama, which you had to bet two hundred and eighty dollars to win a hundred dollars, okay. FanDuel went ahead and paid you out at the end of November <laughs> for that if you bet on Alabama. Okay. Because they were so confident Alabama was going to win this game. Okay. So then comes Monday night, Clemson wins, and then they have to turn around and play pay all the fucking people that won on Clemson. So they, they got double. fucked out of no telling what kind of money yesterday. You know, there was some executive at FanDuel who invented this promotion to get people into it. And uh, they're probably fired. They're fired now. <laughs> he deserves to be. You just you zero dollars on every bet for a national championship game, and yeah. you know it wasn't like thirteen bets. They took a lot of fucking money on that game. Yeah, and you know those betting sites. I mean, they make their money on those big games. You know, World Series, Super Bowl, shit like that. And so uh, that's uh, that's going to hurt the stock price. Uh, it's just the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> They're no you my bookie. See, you don't see uh, casinos doing that. They're not doing that in Vegas. They're not saying, oh, oh it's over. We're going to pay you out. They're they're in it for the money. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, my bookie doesn't do that shit. No, they're smarter <laughs> than that. That's right. Yeah. So uh, overall, I mean, everybody, I guess, was, was other than maybe Clemson fans, were surprised by the outcome of this game and the and the way that they won. But uh, what do you think? I mean. Clemson is now a powerhouse. I mean, they were a powerhouse, but they're better than Alabama as a program as we stand right now, wouldn't you say? I mean, they're. They've I've heard been, people say it's the end of Alabama's dynasty. Well, it may early to, be, to predict that. To be honest with you, when I think dynasty, you, I think of teams that win. They're, they finish on top every year. You, you know, right. the Bulls, you know, three in a row, three in a row. You talk about stuff. That's a dynasty. 
you know, Alabama is good every year, but fucking Clemson is just as good for the last four to six years That's what right. Alabama is. So, yeah. you know, not one team is better than the other. But and the, what's funny is Dabo's beaten his alma mater, I mean, twice now for yeah. a national championship. Yeah, and the, I think if you look at the way the seasons have gone, I mean, I think Alabama's reign is sort of peaked out. And, if you know, people are saying maybe in decline. I think it's early to say that. But uh, Clemson's just getting better every year, you know? I mean, they, the, they've got two wide receivers coming in that are like number two and number four in the class. Yeah. And those two kids that caught everything are there again with yeah. a true freshman quarterback. And not only did they, they – getting worse. Yeah. No, and not only did they win two out of the last three national titles, they damn near won – Last season, too. Yes. I mean, it damn near won the last three. And when you start talking dynasty, three in a row, when there's 200 fucking football teams, that's goddamn close to a dynasty. Yes, absolutely. You know, Tua brought Alabama back last year. and They won that game. Um, it was a close game. Right. But, yeah, we're, we're not too – we're a couple minutes away from Clemson winning three in a row. And Al- Alabama is not a shit show by any means. But the – the throne may be over for Nick. Speaking you know? of that, I mean, he's 68 years old now. I don't know how long he wants to coach, but should he retire? Say he retires in two years when he's 70 years old. Dabo played quarterback at Alabama. He uh, He's obviously established himself as one of the finest coaches in college football. Do you think he'd go to Alabama to become the, uh, the heir apparent to Nick Saban? He'll have to step over Urban Meyer's dead body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Urban, I don't, do you think they'd want Urban? I mean, Dabo's the hot hand. No, I'm just saying Urban would want that job. You oh, know? shit. Yeah, he would. he would. He would do everything in his power. You know, I think, I think that's probably where Dabo wants to be. I don't know. Those guys um, love playing for their alma mater. I mean, look at like Roy Williams to, uh, to North Carolina. Yeah. You know, it, it, those guys, that's the only step you can go unless you're going to go to the NFL. Is, the only problem I have with it is, if you don't, you're following Saban. That if is, yeah. Don't that's right. have the success that he had there. You're going to look terrible to your alma mater. Right. And then that should be your final job. Yeah. That's the one you ended on. That's right. And they, they uh, it's hard to follow a legend. I mean, almost no one can do it successfully. And Nick Saban, better or worse, is a legend in Alabama. I mean, granted, his legacy took a little bit of a hit yesterday, but uh, what he's done there is almost unparalleled. And uh, that was an ass kicking yesterday. We should just mention that. Yeah, that's not (laughs) Alabama getting beat by Auburn or Alabama getting beat by somebody else. That was an outright ass kicking. And if Clemson would have recovered a couple more of those balls that they knocked out of their hands. It could, they could have put 60 something on them. Well, they very easily could have punched in the fine. I mean, they, they, uh, went into victory formation in yes. the red zone. I mean, they could have easily punched in another one if Dabo wanted to stick it up Nick Saban's poop shoot, but they obviously chose not to do that and just run out the clock. I mean, 60 would have been easy for them. Yes. On fucking that, Alabama. And they made them look bad on yeah. both sides of the ball. Alabama's defense down inside the 30 was one of the best college defenses I've ever seen. All three of their guys on the line look like Sue back in the Nebraska <laughs> days, just ripping people up. Yeah, the so. the uh, Alabama team last night, the crazy thing, and Nick Saban said it over and over again because it was the key to the game, 
they could not get off the field in third down. I mean, it was third no. and 18, third and eight, third and nine. And that fucking Lawrence kid, the true freshman, 19 years old, one year away from banging a chick in the backseat of a Subaru at prom, was fucking connecting. And Well, let's get- call him who he really is. That's Mitch from Dazed and Confused. Well, see, I uh, thought he was the guy from the new Star Wars movies that, well, uh, that I was uh, going killed Mitch Han Solo. Confused, you know, uh, the kid that pitched the baseball and got to hang out and do all that shit. I, that's yeah. who I thought he was. Well, of course, both- Uh-huh. Yeah. No. They they all work, yeah. He's got a he's got a long nose on him, though. I'm not one to talk, yeah. But he he was able to to uh, get the first down every single time. And then Alabama was uh, very reminiscent of Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Boy, when they got close to the red zone, they just clammed up and couldn't move the fucking ball. And Tua never looked sharp that entire game. I mean, he had let's, one sixty yard bomb. Let's run a fake fucking field goal and have some backup fucking punter be the head blocker. <laughs> yeah, Clemson. Well, now. That guy should get fired. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was, that was, um, that reeked of desperation. And it makes me think a team like Alabama, and of course, Clemson would have been in the same situation. The downside of being 14 and 0 is that when you get down by a couple scores, you panic early because you are not fucking used to it. I mean, Missouri, for, you know, all their faults, when they're down by a lot of scores, they're not panicking that much because it's what they do. You know, I mean, we did, we've done this before. We started making a comeback in the fourth quarter, but Alabama was not used to being in that position. Would, and, do you, would you like to know that what my theory is on why they lost the game? I'd like nothing more than to know your theory. I don't know if you know this, but employed by Alabama and on their sideline now is Butch Davis. Butch Davis or Butch Jones? Butch. Butch Jones. <laughs> yes. Butch Jones. On, Incorrect. On, Incorrect. Yeah. Thank you. I had to fuck up a name. Colin's not here. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Uh, it was weird to see Butch Jones on the sideline, wasn't it? Yeah. Butch is on the sideline there. You can't win with that guy on the fucking sideline. <laughs> no. And uh, he's probably trying to find a trash can, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, he probably told them after they were done, they were fucking winners in life and all this yeah, bullshit. That's right. Yeah. Wish they'd have put him on the podium. He, he it is weird how our uh, Nick Saban loves to have these sort of uh, reclamation projects. You know, he took Lane Kiffin in and all these guys. Sarkeesian. Yeah. Yeah. Sark after dark. That didn't go well. But uh, yeah, he loves yeah. taking guys who failed and then, uh, you know, they're cheap. They, yeah. Yeah, they are cheap. I mean, I guess we sort of did the same thing with Derek Dooley. Maybe the Odom is going with the uh, Nick Saban model, you know, mm-hmm. fix up broken toys. Yeah. Hey, to bag on Tennessee a little bit more. Please. Um, they came out with a thing that the Tennessee volunteer football team is worth $700 million if you put it in monetary value. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the first comment on that was it's a terrible return on investment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the people of Tennessee want their fucking money back for that stadium, basically, is what it sounded like. Yeah, I, I, I can't blame them. I, by speaking of Tennessee, they had a little success tonight. Uh, they played Mizzou in basketball, and uh, Tennessee's ranked number three in the country, and they walloped the Tigers 87-63. to 63. And uh, I want to congratulate the Volunteers because it's the first time they've beaten Mizzou at anything all year long. Not only did we kill them at football, but uh, recently the Lady Tigers beat Tennessee at uh basketball and tennessee fans were pissed at sophie cunningham did you see any of that caleb yeah you know everybody how come everybody hates Soph? you know I, south carolina hates her tennessee hates her yeah 
I mean, all she does is ball. Yeah, she's a, an aggressive player, and people were, they weren't accusing her of doing anything really dirty. They're just saying she was being too aggressive. I'm like, how can a player be too aggressive? I mean, it's not like she was throwing cold cocks. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't. Hit, she she flew, threw a few elbows, but you know what? In the men's program, that shit happens. You know, people don't bitch and moan about it. And all I'm saying Sophie's a baller. Was alive, she'd appreciate Sophie Cunningham. Everybody appreciates Sophie Cunningham. Who knows better? I mean, she's a hell of a player. She has been. I mean, she is the Drew Locke of women's athletics at Mizzou. I mean, she's the face of Mizzou sports, and uh, she's a great player, and she's had a lot of big wins like that one against Tennessee. And you know what? The, the, they were shitting on her because she stepped back and she, like, grabbed the arm of the uh, Tennessee coach after the game. But the only reason she did that was because the Tennessee coach refused to shake her hand like a fucking unprofessional piece of shit, even though she's a grown-ass woman in her 50s. And Sophie Cunningham is a fucking college student. So, uh, fuck Tennessee. Oh, yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. Caleb's on the move now. I was. I got a, got a kid coming home. We're about to hear all hell break loose. All right. Well, uh, you know, 2019 football season is uh, months away now. We got a new quarterback. We've lost Terry Beckner Jr., who I was praying would not get hurt in that Liberty Bowl because Caleb and I, we talked about that. I think there was absolutely no fucking reason for him to come back to Mizzou, but he did it anyway, and I was really rooting for him, but I just didn't want something devastating to happen before the draft. No, I, hope, I hope good things happen for him in the draft, for him and his family. Yeah, because he is sort of an under-the-radar guy. He's a huge guy, and he plays really well, and he's done everything we've ever asked him to, but he's in a really quiet position. You know what I mean? He's not in a He doesn't play a position in the football field where he gets he lauded all the time. He's Sheldon Richardson without all the baggage. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he he doesn't have any baggage that I know of. You know what I mean? He just quietly goes about his business. And, he uh, seems like a really good kid. Yeah, he's from a poor family, and so – uh, as much as Drew Locke, I want him to be successful, and I want good things to happen to him. I really want Terry Beckner Jr. to make waves in the NFL, and I really—I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I don't follow the draft that closely compared to other people. I don't know where he sits, but certainly an NFL team is going to want that son maybe, of a bitch. Maybe we should do a uh, draft show where we 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 dress up as Mel Kiper and Todd McShay. Yeah. And we guess where everybody goes in the draft. I, I bet we could do almost as well as those dudes. We get a, I'll get a dartboard in here, and I think we could probably match them. Also, we I should saw, do that. I saw Kuiper on TV earlier today, and one thing I noticed, and I guess I had never noticed it before, that motherfucker has got the weirdest hairline. Oh, of, it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Nick Cage-esque in its bizarre hairline. Yeah, it's terrible. I did see that everybody has Locke going to the Broncos. Well, him and John Elway are butt buddies, and it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, um, John Elway came to watch him. Uh, I guess was that the Arkansas game, and they said was it uh, Jerry Jones was there too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I'll be interesting. I mean, I don't think I. I think John Elway has made a name for himself of being a horrible guy to play for. He has no patience. He's a terrible executive. He got Peyton Manning and that and by accident. That's yeah. the only thing he's ever done that was good. Yeah, that's right. He got Peyton Manning, but it, it he fell into Peyton Manning. You know, it wasn't his machinations that made it possible. But ever since then, uh, the Broncos have been nothing to uh, write home about. So I kind of don't want them to get Drew Locke, but who knows? Uh, at least it's a name program, and it's he'll be able to air it out there for sure. Mm-hmm. It'll be all right. 
Yeah, so it's weird. I don't know what to do about uh, Mazadcast time now, Caleb. I mean, obviously, Colin is uh, tending to a new child and crying over the fact that the new child exists. And uh, there's basketball season. And, I mean, basketball teams have been doing better than we expected, but they're not great by any stretch of the imagination. So it's hard to really get rah-rah for that. I guess baseball season's coming up. But yeah, it's not as exciting as football. It just is not. No, it's, it's not. You know, there's a lot of people. You, only, you have a few games. The rest of them may have a hundred games, and yeah. it doesn't really matter till later on. But football, every game matters. It's the SEC; it just means more, you know. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and if the team were better in basketball, maybe I'd have a little more enthusiasm. Obviously, when the Porters came, we were all jacked about that. But you know, there's a lot of Mizzou fans who are first and foremost basketball fans, and True. that's good. That's great. But I don't know how you do it in this era where we're you know, a ranked football team and our basketball team, you know, hovers around 500 at best, recovering from the horrible Kim Anderson. Well, I can era. tell you it's a total switch in my life because as a young man, all we cared about was Mizzou basketball. Oh, and yeah. I can't tell you. I, mean, I remember going to Mizzou football games and there was like 92 people there. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've said before, you know, Brock Olivo was the fucking highlight of the day, scoring one touchdown like, Nebraska yeah. had 63 most of the time. Yeah. But we always went to basketball games. You watched every one of them. That yeah. was the thing. Storm and Norman, all of them, you know. Yeah. All it, the, Paul O'Lenny, the greatest fucking Mizzou Tucker of all time, you know. <laughs> no, Those I was – I was the same way, and obviously the basketball team was good and the football team was horrible. And I remember when I was in college, you could get into a fucking football game, and I'm not joking or exaggerating. For, if you brought a can of soup in for the food yes. bank, you could get a free ticket to a football game. It was it was the easiest thing in the world to do is go to a Mizzou football game from about 1996 to 2002 era mm-hmm. right in there. It got better, but you could still get in. Yeah, if and you had a can a of soup. basketball school with Quinn Snyder there. Absolutely. And, and there were some good years. And, you know, we just, it, it needs like a Frankenstein monster jumpstart to get this thing going because I would like to care. I mean, it is dead zone this time of year for sports. It would be great to have a basketball program that was relevant in any real way. And I don't understand when you see these mid-major programs that do well, why a big school like Mizzou can't get their shit back together. Yeah. And I think. I really think Konza will get kids. I think he'll get good kids, and I and I believe that they will be a better team. They will consistently get better, and the kids he has now are playing very well. Yeah, I've watched several games. They're playing very well. They don't have a stud. They're one player away from being a really fucking good basketball team. Yeah, um, and they're entertaining to watch. You know, they they lost tonight. They still you know putting up sixty three. That's way better than what they were putting up a couple years ago. You yeah, know, they'd have lost by forty-five. Yeah, they're they're in the right direction. I think if I'm disheartened at all, it's because the promise of the Porters was that it would jumpstart that program and take. Well, I can a, promise you this: there's two more Porter brothers, and they both live in Columbia, Missouri <laughs> again, and they're coming up pretty soon. Yeah, that's true. But I was just hoping that the older Porter brothers would. Uh, Fast forward, and so we wouldn't have to wait the three years for Conzo to well, build the program. Mario McKinney's Kevin, you know, cousin or nephew of Jimmy yeah. McKinney. So yeah. that should give you glory day hope. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your optimism, Caleb. You're ever the optimist. If I tell you Kelly Thames' kid's going to be here in a couple of years, will you get all kinds of jacked up? Yeah, I wouldn't wear sweatpants if we're going to do a video podcast and talk about <laughs> Kelly Thames' kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're ready to sign off from this thing, Caleb. It's been the 2018 season. It's already fucking over. Hard to believe. 
Congratulations, listeners. You made it through another year of a zoo tiger football. <laughs> yeah, it is always a survival game. So it's like reindeer games. Yeah. All right. Well, like looking motherfucker. <laughs> M-I-Z, Caleb. Z-O-U. Go Tigers. Lots of dongs. (laughs) 